Hello and welcome to the very first episode of our brand new podcast, The Rugby Show, here on FinalWhistle.ie. On tonight's show, we will have a recap of all the Leinster Senior Schools Cup action, as well as AIL action and upcoming games with Kieran Noble. We will also talk to referee Pete Lynch about his journey as a referee and his new YouTube series, The Ref Cam. But where else is there to start other than the Leinster Senior Schools Cup? On Sunday, we saw Blackrock College beat St. Michael's 25-20 in a thrilling affair at Energy Park. Tries from Gus McCarthy, Reuben Maloney and Oliver Coffey saw Blackrock on their way to the win. I spoke to head coach Justin Vanstone after the game. Justin, great way to start the campaign. What's your initial reaction to the game? What a shock, to be honest. I mean, what a contest. I mean, that's what we've been missing the last two years, just in schools rugby. You know, great credit to St. Michael's. I mean, what a, what a, what a challenge and what a team. Um, right there to the very end. And obviously, uh, great, give great credit to my own players as well for the character they showed sticking in there. Definitely. And you were behind at halftime. What was your message to the lads going back out for that second half? It was just to believe, you know, to, to protect the ball better. We really felt that it was our own individual errors that really cost us in that first half. They put pressure on us, fair play to them. Um, but we were still in it, you know, four points down only was, was nothing compared to the errors that we made. So we knew if we could get our own game right, then we could hopefully impose ours on them. Absolutely, and still loads of ideas ahead of the next game. Um, what are you expecting for the rest of the season then? Well, we have to improve, you know, we have to improve. Um, whilst I wouldn't take anything away from here in the intensity, I don't know if we can bring any more intensity, but we can certainly be more accurate in what we do. Kilkenny College also got off to winning ways with a win over Pres Bray the following day. Tries from Harry Rogers and Mark Stanley sent the club on the way to their first win of the campaign. Sean Knox in the out-half also caught the eye with 13 points from the boot. I spoke to head coach Peter Swainpole and Sean Knockton after the game. Peter, great way to start the campaign. What's your initial thoughts from the game? Ah, yeah, no, listen, we were nervy coming into it. Um, we know that Bray were, um, you know, semi-finalists and in the league, like, so they easily could have been in the final. So, yeah, it's good to get over the first hurdle, like, you know. Absolutely. And I think in that first half, you looked uh, to kick the ball a lot and trouble their back three. Was that something that you just spoke about before the game, maybe targeting them with some high balls in the, in the starting minutes? Ah, no, to be honest, it was just the conditions. We were playing against the wind and, um, you know, we were just trying to get the ball as much air as possible just to, you know, not to play with too much ball in our own half. Absolutely. And Sean Nocton, he was instrumental today as well. Is he a player that you, you maybe focus a lot of your play around because of his passing, his kicking ability as well? Oh, uh, yeah, we do and we don't. Like, you know, Sean is, is such a such a great individual player, like, you know, but um, there's a lot of lads there who's pulling strings, like, you know, so at times, the less you give Sean, the better player he is too, like, you know. Absolutely. And that, um, that press Bray side, a lot of big players, especially even in their backs as well, with, the, with their centre pairings as well, was kind of getting up quick to them, making tackles fast. Was that something that you had prepared before the game to close down the space? Uh, yeah, to be honest, I think that's every uh, team's uh, defensive mode these days is to shut down the space. Like, and yeah, like no other team, we're just pushing hard to, to not give them that opportunity. We could see that they really are a very dangerous side when they get the opportunity. So Sean, congratulations on the win. Cheers. What are your reaction from the game? Yeah, no, delighted. Um, I don't know, tough 10 minutes, last 10 minutes, but boys pulled through, so, you know, very happy. Very Absol glad. Looking forward to next week or week and, after. And you looked towards maybe a lot of your kicking game um, in the first half. Um, I was talking to Peter about maybe putting the high balls on the Presbury back three. Was that something yeah. that you were targeting to yeah, do? Yeah, no, we, we, we talked about it before the game. Um, but then I was just going out and doing it. And, uh, and we did, thankfully, and it came, the ball, the ball went our way, so. Yeah, and obviously you're not not the biggest aside yeah. um, in comparison to other teams in the competition. What is it that really Peter is kind of trying to tell you? What way are you trying to play for the upcoming campaign? Oh, just quick ball, keep ball as fast as you can, and um, other than that, get like ball speed really. Quick ball, quick ball, quick ball. That's why we tried the best there today, and it came off for us. So. It definitely yeah. did. And um, your kicking as well, I know it was probably quite hard with, with the crowd at stages as well. How do you kind of keep yourself in game mode as well, especially that last kick at the end, you're yeah. close to halfway line? Yeah, it's just practice really. It's just practice. Um, so it's hours after training, they come off sometimes, which is it's great when they do. Gonzaga also survived a second half comeback from Klongos um, yesterday. Tries from Jody Brown, Thomas Murphy and Hugo McLaughlin gave Gonzaga a hefty lead after halftime interval. But Blaze Malloy, Oscar O'Brien, Shane McNulty and Dan Daly got their sides back into the affair. Rory Finley and Oscar O'Neill did finish the job for Gonzaga as they head into the next round. Elsewhere, St. Gerard's fell to a disappointing loss to Newbridge today. Newbridge impressed with tries from Todd Lawler and Kieran Mangan, who were both part of that Junior Cup winning team last year. 
Sam Watson, Kieran Kelly, and Shane Tracy also finished the job, and I spoke to both sides' head coaches after the game. Where do you think it kind of went wrong today for you? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one. Newbridge were better. They're better on the day. Uh, yeah, we we got no excuses. We both played in pretty windy conditions. Um, I, I suppose a cup team knows how to play in a cup match, and that's basically what it come down to. Uh, they're just more clinical than we were, and when given opportunities, uh, they got points, and we didn't. So, yeah. yeah. And you showed glimpses of brilliance, especially that try with uh, Fionn on Denver at the end and all. Is that something you'd kind of look towards um, in the build-up, maybe getting the ball to the forward? You're probably a bigger side than them. Um, yeah. Was that something you'd maybe looked at at the start of the game? Yeah, yeah, it has been our plan um, to move teams um, at the same time to t try and play a wee bit of rugby. But um, yeah, we lost the collision. When you lose a breakdown, you're into a dogfight. Uh, so we were constantly on the back foot. When they started to tie, there was a little bit of gaps, but we still weren't clinical enough. Coming into green zone, turn over the ball. We got a try, got them on the hop a little bit, but we weren't consistent at it and sort of let us through. So. Yeah, and in terms of other teams uh, in the competition, who would you maybe be backing to, to win the overall? Um, to be honest, we played Marys, say Marys. I'd say they'd be up there, them and Gonzaga. We haven't played Rock. Rock's not overly feared as much as, as it used to be from, from league teams. They're still good. Um, I'd put it on Zaga and, and Marys. Brilliant. Yeah. Your thoughts on the game? Uh, yeah, I think the conditions kind of ruined it for everything. You know, it was very hard, particularly with the far side, to get any kind of momentum into the game because the the wind was so hard, and for both hookers, it was more or less impossible to throw the ball in. So, um, a bit more stop start than we probably both teams would have liked. Um, you know, analysing them, they're a big physical team that like to keep the ball in play. You know, we're probably a smaller side, similar enough idea. So, yeah, it was it was difficult, and then kind of the game just kind of hit that flat spot with about. 15, 20 to go when we were two tries up. We we're trying to kill their chase, and there was no real ebb and flow to it. So, um, but look, we we managed to uh, to stick at it. Nice to get that score at the end, and and kind of close it off nicely. Definitely, and a lot of players that were involved in that junior cup uh, win back a a, couple, a while ago. Um, is that kind of something you'd look towards? Maybe getting the ball to Kieran, to Todd, yeah, Paddy, um, all yeah. very capable players. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, like they certainly those three three guys that you mentioned have a bit of X factor about them. Um, you know, and they're also probably leaders within the group and on the pitch. So, um, yeah, look, it's nice. I suppose even the journey that they went on, you know, Senior Cup is, a, is another level again. So, you know, they're still finding their feet a bit too with us because they were with us late. Um, so it's good. It's good that they get that underneath the belt and hopefully two and a half, three weeks time, we can kind of kick on another bit. Yeah, and your, your flankers in particular, I was watching, your turnover ball was fantastic throughout the game. Um, is that something that you focus on a lot, maybe in training and build up to games? Yeah, Ron McGorry's very good over the ball. He's seven, kind of old school, eight and eight, seven, and he, um, uh, he's got great footwork in the contact as well. Um, you know, so yeah, and Kieran Kelly is probably your old school six. You know, he, he manages the blind side well and, and does all the donkey work. So uh, we've a nice balance to the back row, um, and yeah, it is something we work on. Probably need to kind of get a bit more kind of on their our, our tackle tech before we get to that stage a bit. That's probably one of our main improvements. But in general, you know, look, we'd be happy in it. It was a really difficult day for conditions. You know, a hundred percent. Thank you. So so we are now halfway through the first round of the Leinster Senior Schools Cup, but there is still four more games to go until the draw can be made for the next round. Tomorrow, Ross Gray face Wesley College, and St. Mary's College also host CUS. Belvedere College face Castleknock on Saturday, with Terenure College and St. Vincent's completing the action in the first round. But the Munster Schools Cup semi-final between Bandon Grammar and Crescent has been cancelled due to weather concerns. But now we will now be joined by AIL expert and commentator Kieran Noble to discuss the AIL season so far. Kieran, how are you? Yeah, that's a very generous introduction, expert. I don't know if you could call me that, but well, we'll anyway, see at the end of this anyway, I guess. <laughs> glad to be here. Absolutely, and where else to start other than the, the women's division, which uh, did come back earlier than the men's um, last week? Obviously, with the the league being separated now into two, with the top four and the conference. Um, how do you feel about that top four? Who's impressed you? Well, first of all, I think it's really important that they do separate the two conferences because 
I I saw a lot of the early games and the likes of Railway Black Rock. They were blowing teams out of it, like the the smaller teams. So the split is really important. Like and after Christmas, both leagues are a lot more competitive. So that's great to see. And um, Black Rock seemed to be a bit of a surprise package this year. Definitely. I don't, I was saying to you beforehand we were talking. They probably weren't one of the favourites. Railway were probably people's pick to go on and win it. But Black Rock are doing really well so far. I think they've won all their games so far in this new half of the season, and they're doing really good. Um, Old Belvedere struggling a little bit. I don't know what's going on there. Railway are still there, thereabouts. They'll be in the final in two weeks' time. So, yeah, it's really interesting. Absolutely, and, and it's interesting that you said that about Railway. Obviously, before Christmas, yet to lose a game. Um, definitely everybody's picks to maybe go on and, and lift the trophy at the end of the season. But Blackrock College, they, they came from absolutely nowhere. Four wins from their opening four games in the top four, but a real test this weekend when they face Railway. Um, and, of course, if Railway win with a bonus point, they, they can overtake them in, into that top spot. Um, and then UL Bohemian, they were another side, young side from Munster. Um, they've slightly struggled maybe, but, but they are still within touch and distance. Yeah, I suppose, like, for these teams that didn't make the final, you know, they need to finish their season strong. And I know that, um, I think Neve Briggs is ahead of uh, UL. What was that? Hayes was there last season. So I think, you know, there's new things happening there in UL. And sometimes systems take longer to get going. So I wouldn't worry too much. You know, the top four, they're all very competitive and they can all win the league on their day you know what i mean so yeah railway and black rock this weekend should be really interesting because they're playing on the 26th again so it'll be interesting to see whether they go all out and kind of test each other or they just take it easy you know it'll be interesting to see how they manage that it, it, it will be and i suppose that there, there could be a case of a couple of mind games maybe keeping a few of your, your stars players on the bench or whatever or keep a few of, of the tricks up your sleeve um, but I suppose I think Blackrock College last week had a great, great win over Belvo 44 5. Uh, two tries from Maggie Boyle and Michelle Claffey, who have both really impressed this season. Um, but then Railway, obviously, good win over UL Bowes 31 14. Um, and then obviously a, a number of internationals and, and provincial players within them teams. And I suppose it nearly is just uh, kind of just that step down from, from the provincial. But like you're looking at some of them teams and you see the internationals, internationals, and there really is some quality players in the top four sides, isn't there? Lindsay Pete is someone who's unreal when she plays for Ireland. She's with Railway. Nikki Coggy, the out half, is a brilliant player too. And Kate McDermott, the second row. So they've got loads of yeah, players. Yeah, and the, the list goes on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it is a bit like because the provincial setup isn't like the men's, they only play in the summer. So I guess, the but then I suppose a lot of girls end up going to the sevens and then don't end up playing for their club very often either. So it's a different setup, and yeah. Uh, absolutely. And then um, let's move on to, to the conference division. And as you alluded to earlier on, much more competitive. And it's great to see these sides all contesting at a high level, but also have, having a good chance of getting a few wins under your belt and improving for years to come. Um, how, how impressive have you been with Suttonians? Four wins from four, and they really just are, are looking like a, a class outfit so far. Yeah, they look to be the stronger team of those six, and they seem to be kind of maybe not at the level that the top four are at, but they're not massively far off, I'd say. Um, but something I've been really impressed with, um, my own local club, Wicklow, you know, the first three games of their AIL season, I think they shipped nearly 200 points, over 200 points, actually. And, you know, a lot of those girls could have given up. They could have not went to training after those first three games. But, you know, they kept plowing away with their coaches, Jason Morton. Um, uh, Mark Kinlan. No, they're fourth now in the, small ta- in the smaller table, which for them is good because where they were at the start of the season and where they are now. And the same goes for Ballon Colleague. They've got Fiona Hayes now. She's a head coach for them. She was with UL Bowes before that and she's doing some really good things with them so yeah it's great to see some of the i won't say smaller clubs because they're still ail clubs but it's great to see those kind of teams getting wins and for wicklow they got that big first away win at the weekend which was massive for them against malone and lucy mulhall actually lined out for wicklow for the first time so that's massive very good 
I, I'd say that that would be a, a back a back line of dreams. Obviously, you have you've your Aaron McConnell, Beth Roberts, Ella Roberts, Vicky Ems, Kinlan, and then Lucy Mulhall as well. As as you said, I, like even if you go into the top four teams, you'd still struggle to see a back line almost as good as that. Yeah, well, um, the two Roberts sisters are great players. Like everyone knows that Ella's really good if you've been around for the last while, but Beth has really came into her own in the last season. You know, really stepped up. And Vicky is something else. If I was to put money on a player to definitely play for Ireland and have a great career, it's Vicky. She's she tackles so good. Tackles oh, absolutely so a machine in the tackle. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah um, but yeah, Setonians seem to be the best team. Galwegians aren't far off Setonians as well. To be fair, um, yeah. so yeah, it's just great to see that. I think the separate leagues actually does all the teams a favor, and it makes it more competitive and better to watch. And it's great to see TG Carr again, you know. Uh, exactly, do... a, way, a way to watch it for, for people yeah. as well, because I suppose for years everyone was out of touch with it, but I think it really is something that needs to continue to grow as well. Yeah, TG Carr, they're, you know, setting the ways for women's sport in Ireland, in my opinion, and this is another example, you know, having it on the telly. And I think a lot of people might tune in and watch the game that maybe don't really follow women's rugby in the AIL, so that's really good. More eyes to it, the better. So, definitely. And let's maybe move on then to, to the men's. Uh, we had a two-week break, uh, mid-season break, but in Division One A, Clontarf leading the way, five points ahead of Lansdowne. Talk to me a bit about that division. Very competitive as always. I, I assume. Yeah, um, I suppose Clontarf and Lansdowne have kind of been the top two teams this year. They sit one and two. Clontarf uh, have only actually lost once in round five to Lansdowne, and that. Uh, Next Friday, Friday week, Clontarf go to uh, the Viva Stadium, so it should okay. be a good game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and they are five points at the top, as I said, but I suppose still, still a long season to go. Um, Terran York College sitting in third place with Cork Con in fourth, um, and then Young Munster and Trinity College just behind them as well. Can you see any other teams maybe in that division making a, a late challenge towards like the Lansdowne and Clontarf, or do you think it's kind of set in stone already, Kieran? Oh, uh, it's not set in stone because. They're the two kind of informed teams, you could say. But Terran York, they're on an eight-game winning streak and they're going for nine this week. And I think they'll win again. And they're in third. And I think they lost three games early on in the season, Young Munster. And I think they lost to Lansdowne. They lost to Contact. But since then, they've just went to another level. And I've seen them play against UCD a couple of weeks back. And they won 60 points to eight. And it was the most impressive this Display I've seen a few matches, but I was really impressed with their ball speed, their backs, their forwards, everything. But yeah. another team I've been really impressed with is um Dublin University Trinity. They yeah. are actually they're really good. Um, sometimes results wise they're not consistent enough, maybe. But there's yeah. a massive game for them at the weekend. They're hosting Lansdowne, and they actually beat Lansdowne in the reverse fixture earlier on in the season uh, by two points, 27-25, I think it was. So yeah, I, I reckon that's a massive game for them. And if they and can he, win that, they can really push themselves into that top four picture. A hundred percent. And and Dublin University, as you said, had kind of a mixed campaign, set seven wins, five defeats. But they did defeat Young Munster last week and I have taken to within two points of them as well. So there's no reason why they can't continue to, to jump jump up the table, keep, keep contesting. As you said, proved to be a bit of a bogey team for Lansdowne. Um so then moving on to 1B and very competitive again. Wesley leading the way with Highfield six behind them. But the top two do meet this weekend. Yeah, massive game. Uh, Highfield, to be fair to them, were kind of blowing everyone out early in the early stages of the league. They were winning all their games. They looked pretty comfortable. And they looked like a team that looked pretty unlucky, actually. Before COVID, the COVID break two years ago, Highfield and Wesley were actually the top two then. And they look like the two teams that were going to go up. So now they probably deserve to be the top two again. But the funny thing about the AIL this year is, and I said it to you before, only one team goes up because of COVID. So if you're anyway in the top four, you can go, you can get promoted. So for the likes of Highfield and Old Wesley, who have been probably the most consistent in the league, it doesn't really matter. Like if they get to that top four and they lose the semi final. It's then then it is wide open, and and maybe talk a bit more about that, Kieran, to uh, to the viewers because it has changed format, which and it and it even took me by surprise until a couple of weeks ago because I was looking at someone and I was like, oh, will Wesley will go up or whatever. So, so what has actually changed from uh, previous seasons? 
Oh, I just missed that there. Sorry. So I was, I was just saying, can you, can you maybe explain to the listeners what, what has actually been the changes compared to previous seasons? Well, as far as I'm aware, it used to be the top four and the top two teams would go up and then two teams would go down, nine and ten. But now this year, because of COVID, and there's been some nil-nils because of COVID cases and uh, games haven't been able to be fulfilled. Not many now, in fairness. Like, a lot of the games have went ahead. Went ahead. Um, so that's why that's been brought in. So now nine and ten will play in, a, like, a relegation playoff. And then the top four will play it out, and only the champions will go up. So absolutely, yeah. and and you actually you actually mentioned ninth and tenth there. It is a, a, a tough battle at at one A towards the bottom. There is UCC, Ballyn Hinch still yet to register a win this season. Um, UCD and Gary Owen and just above them. Who do you think could be in trouble of maybe uh, going down? No, I think it is UCC or Ballyn Hinch. I I think Gary Owen and UCD. To be fair to them. UCD are a weird one. They have some fantastic players there, like Chris Cosgrave, um, Dylan O'Grady, who's with the Ireland under-20s at the minute, uh, Dermot Mangan, who's who suffered an injury, but he's a fantastic player and would be playing for the Ireland under-20s if he was there. So for them, it's just about getting players back. I, I don't think relegation is really a worry for them. And same yeah. with Gary Owen. I feel like maybe they're losing against the bigger teams, but I think they'll have enough to stay up. So I really do think it's between uh, UCC and Ballinahinch. Exactly, and then if, if we go back to one B, um, so then bottom sides, Navin and, and Bambridge really um struggling this year. Malone, Elvo just ahead of them as well. Do you think Navin could be could be in trouble though? Yeah, Navin would be because you know I think they've jumped from two C to one B, and like they've had this weird like five year six year thing where they've jumped divisions, and now I think they've got to the point where they're at that level where they can't keep doing it. So. Yeah, yeah, I think they're in trouble. But actually, I seen Banbridge play O'Belvedere just before Christmas, and they're not a bad side, you know. There's guys there like David McCann, Rob Little, who are involved with Ulster, and they're guys now that I think they'll be playing at the weekend. Hopefully, for Banbridge's sake, they will be. But yeah. they're guys when they're playing, they make a massive difference because that's the great thing about the AIL this year that because there's no um United Champions. The United Rugby Championship going on. That yeah. players that uh, would be on the fringe, kind of, they get to drop down to play for their clubs. So it makes a massive difference. The likes of Dave McCann, Rob Little coming back to a club like Banbridge. Exactly, and and it really would give you a boost. And I think that is something that I think even as rugby fans, there's something about watching your your players that you're used to playing, seeing play at such a high level, coming back to their club, come back to, to community. Um, and I think that would be another thing that even if there was kind of other tournaments set up when in the rugby off season, if you even saw your Leinster yeah. players, or you, you might have seen Tyg Farlong back in New Ross, and I, I think that would be um, oh, it's great, a, like a great idea. Even Clive Ross for Lansdowne, he was with Ulster up until like a last season or the season before, and he's like a fantastic player. I think he's been Lansdowne's standout player in my opinion. Yeah. And to have somebody like him in the squad, and Liam Turner as well, he played for trinity a couple of times he's with the sevens as well so it's a bit different again but yeah he's a fantastic player and yeah i think it's really good because sometimes the ail was forgotten about but i think now with guys coming back into it you know people are talking about it again and the amount of streams as well is something i'll say the amount of streams you know with covid that's one great thing that's came out of covid is streams and commentaries i've been lucky to do a few with justin middleton who i think is probably the top commentator outside of the pro ranks, you know. Yeah, he fantastic is great, yeah. Guy. Fantastic guy. And the things he does, the notes he does are great. But it's not just him. It's the people that's on the net doing the schools rugby, all that sort of stuff. They'll bring more eyes to the game. And it's brilliant. And I, and I really do think, I've said it for a while, since I've, I've been covering um, a lot of the AL myself, I think it is ready to explode. It, it's such a high level of rugby. And I think... It's something that is overlooked, like like you said. But I think with with the right coverage, um, with the right people talking about it and all, like it, it really is like oh, I I couldn't see why people wouldn't tune in and watch the, watch the matches the same way you might watch your All Ireland Club Hurling finals or your All Ireland Club football finals because yeah. they're huge and it's all about communities. And I I think that it really is ready to explode the AIL. Yeah, it's funny because you know the United Rugby Championship. I'd watch it obviously because I have to. But I'm not really like a lot of the results you can predict before they yeah. happen. So, but in the AIL, you can't. Like, for example, 1B, you have a hunch sometimes who the better team is. 
But a lot of the times, it doesn't go to plan or it doesn't go to script. And that's exactly. what makes it so All you have to do is even look at, at 2B last week and Galway Corinthians sitting in, in second and they fell to a loss to um, Malahide. And Malahide was just their second win of the, of the campaign. But I'd say if you went to 100 people who have been watching that division, who's going to win? 99 out of 100 would have said Corinthians. But I suppose and it's that element of um, anybody can on the day can turn up and, and do one of the big boys. And I think that's something that is really entertaining. Yeah, it's funny as well that you say about how competitive it is. If you go down to 2C, you've got Ennis Gorthy, who are doing really, really well. But only, I think they won the Towns Cup in 2019. So they were a junior yeah. club. Leinster they beat Wicklow, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, they beat yeah. Wicklow by a couple of points that day. A really close game. Uh, but Ennis Gorthy were a Leinster league side. And now they look like they could be going up to 2B. So that shows you that even the gap between 2B... And Leicester League 1A, it's not massive. It's not massive. And Ennis, and it's funny that you said it, Ennis Gordy's sitting nine points clear at the top ahead of Scaries. And and if you look at that division as well, Ennis Gordy probably over the last couple of years, you wouldn't have put them maybe in, in the same breath of a lot of these sides. You have Tom Mell, Tullamore, Banger, Scaries, Middleton, all teams who have been hanging around the AIL for a couple of seasons. And yeah. they're really starting to show their worth. And they do have a, a good group of and a good core of, of young players as well. Yeah, um, absolutely. And Kieran Hurl, he was he's with the UCD now, I think, but he did a lot of work with Ennis Gorthy, like when they were Leinster League side. And I think some of the work he's done is coming through now. Like even though he's not there anymore, I think a lot of what's happening there is because of the likes of him. So yeah, it's great to see. Exactly. And then you do make that jump down then from one B to two A. And I suppose any other year, Queen's University would have been absolutely delighted with their season. 13 points clear of Cashel in second place, 11 wins, one loss this season. But as you said earlier on, all it takes is for someone to show up on the day to beat them and, and, and Queen's University are, are, are staying in 2A for another another season. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit weird. You don't want to peak too early. You often hear swimmers, sports people. But it's it can be the same for rugby teams as well. Like you can do really well over the calendar year, whatever it is, twenty weeks or whatever. But if you can't back it up, come the semi final or the final, it sounds harsh. It, it doesn't count for much. It 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 doesn't really at all. And I suppose if you look at Queen's University, Cashel in second, Ballymena in third, Buccaneers in fourth. Queen's University nearly twenty points ahead of Buccaneers, but there is nothing to say that if they do meet in the semi final, that um that Buccaneers won't turn them over. and yeah, it, Even at that, if you go to 2B and you look at Greystones, I know you've seen a lot of Greystones this year, and yeah. I would have throughout the years. They're a team that really, from looking at them, you're like, oh, yeah, they're going to go up to 2A because they do look that level above some of the other teams. But there's no guarantee that they will. So None at all. And I suppose, maybe Greystones aside, I think it's probably the most competitive division in the AIL. If you look at Galway Corinthians, 39 points in second place. Blackrock College tied on points, but in third, 39. Wanderers, 36 points. Belfast Harlequins, 36. Sligo, 33. Really, any any one of them of, of them six could really make make a push like to, to keep that top four spot. And what one one team that I would like to call out is, is Wanderers. I think they've they've been so unlucky. They like they've six wins, six losses, but Three of them losses have been in the last minute. They, they lost to Belfast Harlequins, the last minute penalty, last minute try against Blackrock College, um, a try against Greystones last 10 minutes at Dr. Hickey Park, and Greystones did steal the win. And they're a side that I do feel for because they've been playing some fantastic rugby throughout. But that, that element of maybe holding the lead and knowing that they got turned over in the last couple of minutes, and I think it might be kind of mentally affect them, especially in, in recent games. Yeah, Killian Marmion is a fantastic out half. For uh, Greystones, he's a top player, and yeah. then you've got uh, Andrew Keeley. He's another good player. Exactly, and and Ferdy Ferdy Kenny, top scorer in the AIL Division Two B. He, he's been fantastic as well. And Greystones, I think the first half of the season, Danny Kenny, number eight, was was a real standout for them. But he's been injured the last couple of weeks, and they've introduced Dan Mannion at number eight. And I think a lot of people, when they saw Danny Kenny was out, they were wondering, Ooh, how are Greystones going to do? A, a real battering ram, a real leader among the team. But they, they've been fantastic and. Yeah, I think only uh, one loss. I know um Dan Mannion, his younger brother, is involved with uh, Greystones as well, Ronan. But Dan Mannion's one of those guys, from what I've heard in Wicklow and places, he was like, you know, people were tipping him to play for Ireland and stuff. 
and things have happened due to injuries. And even with Greystones, I think, you know, he hasn't got to play as much as he'd want because injuries yeah. have kind of prohibited him. So I think he's a fantastic player that probably just hasn't got the rub of the green in terms of injuries and stuff like that. So, yeah. A hundred percent. And one side that it is quite strange in 2B, Galwegian started the season with a real bang, beating Ballina, but they haven't won since that first week. And it's a, it's another, it's a very difficult one. I don't know how them players must be feeling just kind of week in, week out, losing, yeah. especially since starting strong. And after, after the win over Ballina, people were like, oh, Galwegians might, might be able to contest this year, but it hasn't worked out the way they've wanted to. Yeah, and historically, Galwegians would have been a, a higher league team. They would have been kind of one A, one B down the ladder. And even you saying that now, it kind of shocks me a bit, you know? Yeah. The Norwegians are at that stage. So, yeah, it's, they were kind of the big team in Connacht years ago. So Exactly. And and you've seen, even in, in that division, like Ballina and other Connacht side ahead of them, Sligo, Galway Corinthians. Um, but still a lot of good players with, with that Galwegian team. I think Keane at out half is, is a player who's, who's very capable and definitely a player that's capable of playing higher divisions. And I think it's maybe just about getting that, that maybe starting from the beginning again, just going again. But, but your confidence must be very low. Like, how, how would you be after after losing all, all of them games in a row? It must take its toll. And also, like, I know it doesn't happen for the likes of Lansdowne because they have massive squad depth and every young fellow, when they want, come out of school, they want to play for Lansdowne or they want to play for Clontarf. But for the small... All our clubs, like if a few injuries happen and a few things don't go to plan, they can be, they can really struggle sometimes to get their best team out there. So I think that can happen too in AIL seasons. You know, things can go against you that are out of your control. So yeah, you just kind of have to manage those things. Absolutely. And uh, before we finish in this AIL segment, Kieran, I'm going to ask you one question. Who do you think one club, um, maybe in the next couple of years, could could shock a few people? Who, who would you be backing to maybe to nearly go all the way to the top? That's an interesting question. I suppose you never really know. Like um, Highfield and Wesley, you know, Wesley are a team for me that they're in one B. But I remember uh, I used to be involved with Bective Rangers when I was a young fellow. When my dad was playing there, and Bective were always always better than Wesley, always. And now times have changed. Bective are in Leinster League One A. And Wesley are in 1B. And I think there's some fantastic young lads in that old Wesley panel. Like uh, Ben Murphy is Jack Murphy's older brother. Richie's other, Richie Murphy, Darland, uh, under-20s head coach, his two sons. And Ben is a fantastic player. And there's another Wicklow lad in that squad, Harry Noonan. He was with yeah. Ireland under-20s. Uh, fantastic player. And his brother Howard is kind of on the fringe of that squad too. So, yeah, I think old Wesley are... a you know, uh, they're a serious team and they'll be up there, but also Highfield have made a massive jump too. So those two teams, you know, they should be in 1A, like the way they play. So Yeah, and I suppose we'll see at the end of the season how, how it ends up and we're going to have to get you on anyway before that season ends to see how your, your predictions have, have come along, Kieran. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed the chat and thanks for having me on. Absolutely brilliant. Right, thank you very much, Kieran, for that anyway. Cheers for joining us. So we now have a very special guest. Uh, we have Leinster branch referee Pete Lynch joining us now. Pete has caught the eye in recent weeks with a, a new ref cam footage on, on YouTube. Pete, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Hey, Luke, how are you? Thanks very much for having me on. I'm very good. So let's just get straight into it. When, when did you start refereeing, Pete, and what, what were the reasons why? Uh, very, very, very good question. And uh, I was only talking to another branch referee recently, trying to figure out how long ago when I was refing. So I've been doing it for about four years, um, but uh, I've only been a branch ref, a Leinster branch ref, for three years. So, and what what kind of games would you be be covering then in the Leinster? Is it kind of stri strictly adult games, or would you be involved in a lot of the, the underage stuff as well? Um, it's it's honest, which is a mix of both. So it it, it can really depend. You, you know, um, I mean, the way it works is that uh, for youth panels, you have. Um, let's say, because I'm based in the Southeast, so you have a Southeast panel and you have an area rep who will send you some youth games. And then uh, normally any of your uh, adult games will come from um, come from Leinster Branch themselves. So there's uh, Haley White up in uh, Leinster Branch, 
will issue you a game. So that I mean that could be anything. That could be uh Metro Eights one one week. Then it could be uh, New Ross RFC the next week for New Ross ladies. And then uh, you never know. It's it's hard to tell to be honest with you. So some games you you, you might do like I said Metro Division Eight. Uh, other days you could you know you could be in you know the middle of Burr. It's it's hard to say. You know, yeah. but it's a good mix. It's 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 enjoyable as well because it, if you, if you mix it up, if you get a good mix, it's it's always nice. You know. Exactly, and and you mentioned it there that you do find it very enjoyable because I know I know you would have played for years as well. So it was it kind of difficult sure. to go from maybe being the one that was maybe almost challenging a referee to, to being that person being being challenged or the one with the authority on the pitch. Did you find it difficult transitioning? I don't know what you're talking about, Luke. I never challenged a referee in my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know what? It's um, it, it 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 absolutely was. I suppose one of the one of the key things about uh, becoming a referee, and and obviously there's there's a, a whole process in place, but it's it's actually how much did I really know about the game? Um, because when you go from playing the game and probably only you know worrying about your position and where you should be and what you're doing, and then you go to referee a game, you realise well I I can't speak for every referee here, but I realise how how little I actually knew about different positions, and even some of the rules that just never really applied, never was never really interested in. So I mean, as a referee, you have to know well, I suppose they're laws, so to speak, not not rules, but all those things that you learn through experience then. You might think you know all the laws, but in reality, when you go to, uh, I suppose, uh, to to rule on them in in the middle of, a, you know, a game. I suppose at the end of the day, you have uh, thirty players in a ball, and you have to try and keep your eye on all of those things and try to keep uh, all those laws as, as part of it. Uh, it certainly makes for an interesting challenge. Absolutely, and I think we we'll get into a bit about your YouTube now because. I followed you on Twitter for a while and then something popped up and I saw RefCam with, with, with Pete Lynch and I was like, I'm going to have to give this a look. Where, where did the idea come from? Because it is something quite quite rare and you don't see a lot of it um, around. So where, where did the idea come from? Um, I, I, it was a real funny one. So there was two reasons for it really is that one of the, one of the things I wanted to do uh, for a long time is I wanted to kind of get into videography. But to be honest with you, I couldn't find any real... Um, reason to get into it because normally you need some form of a platform to do that sort of thing um, and I didn't really feel like the type of person I, I don't do mountain biking you know things like that that you normally attach a GoPro to I don't um, I don't really go down to the beach and just take lovely you know photographs some people are great at photography I, I couldn't do it so although I wanted to get into it I, I, I had to you know come up with uh, something to actually use it and then I suppose the second reason was I um I kind of wanted to work on my own game as a referee, and this gave me a really good way to do that. So, um, I, originally it took me I had to look up a certain amount of cameras to find out which would um which would work best. So I took a, I took a, a gamble on on one particular type of camera, which is perfect. There's only a, a, you know cameras now in comparison to the cameras where they were even five years ago. This camera is only about that size. It clips on. And most people don't even notice that it's there, which is great. Yeah. Um, but it has. I, I mean, I'm able to look back and I'm able to see, you know, maybe decisions that I would have made, maybe my positioning, things like that. And maybe even sometimes how I spoke to the players. Because, you know, stuff like that is very important as well. You know, Absolutely. Um, I suppose uh, from from being a player as well, um, you know, I, I, I think, I suppose, and I can only say I think because, you know, I'll have to leave this to players, but I think I can empathize with certain players and their decisions on the ground. But it, it was just, um, it was a good platform for me to start uh, looking back at my own, um, my own, my own game, so to speak. And uh, I remember the, the first game I actually brought it out to was um, uh, an under-18s game, uh, under lights on a Friday night, Southeast Lions versus uh, Wicklow RFC. And uh, I had no real intention on kind of putting it up on YouTube for public display. Uh, I just wanted to have a look at it myself. I just wanted to see, you know, some of the core things. And so I, I originally, um, I went up to uh, the coach of South Lines and I said um, to the coach, I said, listen, do you mind if I record this? And she said, absolutely, no problem. Can we get a copy? And I said, oh, okay. Um, yeah, sure. I can give you a copy. But um, as I solely just as, as I discovered um, after the game, uh, first game, I had to figure out how the camera worked. So in the end, I actually caught a, a lot of, I suppose, a lot of downtime. So that involved me having to um, 
it involved me having to kind of edit the game and edit the footage and but it was it was brilliant because it allows me then to work on my videography um, yeah. and 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 just get to play with the different things so so far i only have um three videos up uh, my my latest video was um the cbs port leash versus cbs art club and that was a really good game and it was really fast paced so it, it i think that it 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 shows well on the video but not only that, but even looking at it on YouTube and stuff like that, I think people uh, probably don't see how frantic it really is on a pitch and how quickly you need to make a decision. So I, I know there's plenty of people on the sideline who, you know, tell me what I missed anyway, but it's always nice for me to go back and just say, oh, yeah, OK, you know, yeah, he was onside there and, or maybe he was offside. And these are things that help yeah. me improve my game going forward as a referee. Definitely. And I think, have you had, you, you kind of briefly mentioned there about maybe sideline input and stuff. Have you had any poor experiences in your, in your four years as a referee? Like any, any bad experiences? Um, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, you, you know, uh, I've had, I've had good games. I've had bad games. I've had some really bad games. Um, and then I've had some really good games. Um, I try not to dwell on it as much, but I, I always remember after every game that I know that I didn't do great, I you know I I normally get out my phone and I whip out and I say, well, what didn't I do great and why why didn't I do great? What what were the mistakes I made? And it really helped from the start, um, to to help me work on my game. What were the things that maybe I thought I knew and actually I didn't know? Because I I suppose there's one element creeping into the game from potentially other sports that uh, there's this questioning of the referee, but. In fairness, sometimes the questioning can be um, question can be okay if it's done in the right in the right manner, and you know if, if it's done in a constructive manner. But it's helped me to, like I say, write down a memo and say, okay, you know, I really need to look at that and say, um, was I right in my decision making? Because I haven't always been a hundred percent. Like, you know, uh, none of us out there in Leinster branch are Nigel Owens, no matter how much we try. You know, we are, we, we, we do try, we try our best. We're grassroots referees, you know what I mean? We're, you know, we don't get paid for that sort of thing. We go out to enjoy the game just as much as anybody does. Um, I, I like, there's definitely been some, some harder games and some, and some, and some words been said, but for maybe let's say the four or five bad games, I've had a hundred good games. Exactly. And, and you did briefly mention there about there is a lot of coverage around refereeing, especially in, in the GAA and, and in football. And I suppose you you probably sympathize maybe a lot lot more with them than others would. Why do you think that issue has got so bad? And I know from even, let's say, if I'm reporting on, on a couple of local games, the, the abuse, especially in, in the football and the GAA of the referees, why do you think it is at that level? Well, okay. Well, to me, it all comes down to mentality. I mean, the way I understand rugby is that rugby's um, a game of respect. You know, um, it it would it has to be a game of respect. I mean, if you look at what you know guys do in a game of rugby in comparison to maybe soccer and GEA, I you know if if you don't maintain control and discipline, I mean, rugby could turn into a severe nightmare. But luckily, you know, the values of rugby have been there since day one. You know, you have to have respect for the referee. Um, I, I honestly don't think you could pay me to be uh, a soccer or a GEA referee, but I, I, I think definitely in relation to, to soccer, I think GEA is, is starting to uh, make dents in, in their in their problem. Um, I know there was you know a couple of videos floating around in a couple of different uh, places. Mm. Um, I think referees like David uh, David Goff and all them are, are really starting to try and clamp down that sort of stuff. But I, I think the issue in relation to soccer is it, it comes straight from FIFA. I mean, if you have um referees or sorry if you have players at the top like ronaldo and all these people who can literally on television in front of millions of people go over to the referee and spit abuse at them yeah i mean what what chance does a grassroots referee have you know exactly it's, it's, yeah it's, it's a thing so i mean it's a huge problem but i mean not only that but i i think uh, i i don't think fifa are really interested in trying to fix the issue i mean there's been plenty of things that they could have done um, but but they just don't seem to be interested. Like with rugby being the, the difference, um, like we have a lot more um, we have a lot more. Uh, how do I say um, tools at our disposal? I mean, for example, most of these things can be dealt on the pitch. I mean, I mean, there's always going to be um, you know people potentially you know uh, throwing their hands up. Ah, oh, you know, sir, sir, you know this happened, that happened, this happened, that happened. Because bear in mind that a, a lot of what you see on a rugby pitch is is, is interpretation. 
So maybe yeah. I saw something, the players don't have to agree with me, but they have to respect the decision. So if they don't want to respect the decision, we can have a constructive conversation. If you don't want to have constructive conversation, that's fine. I'll march you back 10. You know, most players will, will, will yeah, they'll they're shut it down. <laughs> they shut it down pretty quickly, which is something soccer referees and, 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 and GA referees don't have. And normally, if you march somebody back 10, you, your players are going to get you in line. You, you learn pretty quickly. Yeah. And then, I mean, you know, if, if it really, really has to come to it, I mean, you can escalate it. Normally, giving away a penalty is, is good enough, you know what I mean, to, to, to stand yeah. out any sort of dissent. So it, normally, it doesn't go much further than that. It, only in a severe case would it go much further than that. And you, and you can even see that in professional levels. You know what I mean? Um, of rugby as well, where um, I think, I don't know if you recall, uh, Luke Pierce marching Billy Billy Vanapola back nearly nearly three times until eventually yeah. one of I can't remember one of his teammates just grabs him. You just get get back. Stop talking. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're you're just making life hard for yourself. You know exactly. So, yeah, you know, and I, and and you you kind of said it there. Um, that rugby was all for you was about respect, and from a young age you do learn that, and I think. It is probably something that is needed to be combated more from a younger age, maybe in them other sports as well, because that respect has always kind of been there in rugby. And I suppose there's no wonder why, why there's a shortage of a lot of referees for, for your other sports as well. Is, is it the same in rugby or, or is there kind of there still is quite a lot of rugby referees or is there is there a shortage like in other sports? Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say there's a, a, a show. I can't speak for soccer. I can't speak for GEA. Um, I, I honestly think the reason why there's a shortage of rugby referees, and, and there's not that much of a shortage, but there's, there's certainly a shortage for youths, but that's just down to the amount of youth teams coming out of the park. Um, yeah. I, I, but at the end of the day, not, not everybody wants to, to, to referee a game, and, that, and that's fine. Um, I mean, I think on, on a given weekend in you know even this weekend there could be as many as 90 games going on you know what i mean so that you're going to have to get 90 referees so generally the way the the system works is you know it's 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 a uh, the adults kind of get preference you know that's just going to happen and then the youths kind of suffer but what the what the the leinster branch want the clubs to do because it's a grassroots effort is they want the clubs to try and provide referees so normally and and, and luke i know you played youth as, as a kid you probably know that you know there's plenty of occasions where you played as a kid under 14s under 13s they they're, they're not really ones who, who won't get a branch ref so you'll just have to get your coach to do it exactly, and then yeah. the older grades as you get on but i mean it's a two-tier system well, sorry, I say a two-tier system because there's way more tiers than that, but there's between a branch ref and affiliate ref. So the way it works is the way you start off is you start as an affiliate referee for your club and you only referee your club. And then okay. when you eventually get graded up and you pass your trial, you become a branch referee and you can start doing other clubs. And that's exactly how I started as an affiliate referee. That That's very good. And I suppose we're going to kind of towards the end now, I do have something that's asked me slightly more lighthearted. Is there, is there a strangest or a, a funniest experience that you've had while refereeing on a pitch? Um, yeah, I can certainly think of a few, um, but probably my favorite, my favorite one uh, would be, um, I, I was remember um, I had just passed my affiliate trial. Um, I had done a couple of games, uh, so I was only doing like youth under 14, under 15, and I was on my way out to watch my. Um, which was my then girlfriend, now wife, um, play for Arklow versus Greystones uh, out in Arklow. And uh, I remember I was about to leave the, the house and I got a panic phone call from uh, who is now actually the uh, the president of Arklow, Arklow Rugby Club. But then she, at, at the time she might've been the team captain, I can't remember. She said, the, the referee hasn't turned up. We need a referee, we need a referee. And I said, oh, okay, really? Like, I, I've, never done a, I've never done an adult game, you know? I said, oh, okay. So uh, out I rocked anyway, and I didn't have a jersey or anything. I just had like a um, had whatever T-shirt you know I was wearing at the time, and and a, and a pair of shorts that I had in my van, and uh, I went out, and I think it was like one of the coldest days of the year, and here I am, just absolutely freezing. Well, one of the things I'll never forget is um, someone my, my wife was playing. I think she might have been playing number ten that day, and uh, I was doing I was doing my absolute best. You know, uh, probably, and it's certainly getting a lot of guff from both sides, you know, because I'm, I'm sure we're making plenty of mistakes. And um, got down to uh, something, I think, I, I can't even remember what it was. It was some decision anyway. And uh, maybe maybe a player going off their feet or something at a, at a ruck. And, I, you know, I called it up and I, 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 you know, penalty to it was Greystones. 
And my, <laughs> my wife looks at me and she goes, ah, sir, you're having a laugh. <laughs> so so I, I marched her back 10. And of course, everybody on the side like knew that she was my girlfriend. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> And uh, it was probably the probably the only time I was able to ever give her any orders that she was that she couldn't say no to. <laughs> exactly, yeah, you you were delighted with that in the end. <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose exactly. it, it it didn't ruin anything for you then, anyway, since you are now married anyway. So. <laughs> oh yeah, probably, probably, yeah, probably slept on the couch for about a day or two. <laughs> exactly, yeah, but but you got around it anyway, Pete. before we yeah. leave this, um, if someone is listening to this and are watching this and they like you would be interested in, in becoming a ref, how do they go about something like that? Very, very simple. So you, you don't actually necessarily need to be affiliated to a club to become a referee. The best thing to do is literally Google Leinster rugby referees, go to the website, all the instructions are there. Otherwise you can, um, you can, you can, um, get onto your club. Your club will know how to get in touch with uh, the area refs to start becoming uh, an affiliate referee. So uh, normally the first steps are you have to log on to worldrugby.org and you need to basically pass a test to make sure you understand the laws of the uh, laws of rugby. Uh, that that took me at least four goes, if I'm being totally honest. Um, yeah. And then once you do that, uh, normally the the um, Leinster branch or the IRLB will uh, host a, cor uh, a course. Normally they have them coming up every now and then. So any club will 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 if you keep an eye on their social media feeds, they'll have them coming up, up upcoming referees course. You you go to that, you get started, you start off with some mute games, and if if you like it, you stick with it and you know you just keep going. Brilliant. Pete, it's been an absolute pleasure and thank you so much for joining us for the very first episode as well. So um we'll hope to no see worries. many more of your videos in in the coming weeks and hopefully you'll have a few new uh, followers after this. I appreciate that, Luke. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure Absolutely. talking to you. Brilliant. All the best now, Pete. Thanks, Dad. So that is everything for our very first episode of the Rugby Show here on FinalWhistle.ie. But make sure to join us every Wednesday at 8 o'clock where you will get the most in-depth and up-to-date coverage on all things in the domestic rugby game. On next week's show, we are going to be joined by Neve Briggs for an in-depth interview at the end of the show. Thank you all very much and I will see you next Wednesday.